Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Big fan. I love to celebrate birthdays. Anyone that knows me knows that my birthday goes at least for a month every year. I love celebrating anniversaries. I love celebrating milestones, academic and sporting achievements. I love celebrating days off. I love celebrating new chocolate flavours that Cadbury puts out. I love a good celebration. I wonder what are the things that you celebrate? I wonder what do you celebrate? Because often we celebrate the things that are really important to us. Clearly, chocolate is important to me. But we celebrate things that we love and are important. And I wonder, how often do we just celebrate God? Just in our everyday life, celebrate Him for His goodness and His faithfulness. Not just here on Sundays, not just once a year for an anniversary, but just celebrate Him. You know, today, as we celebrate 55 years of God's goodness and faithfulness, we celebrate Him, we acknowledge Him. But I just wonder, how often we do that in our everyday life? Because celebration is actually a spiritual discipline. Let me tell you more about this. So spiritual disciplines are intentional practices, relationships and experiences that create space in our lives to keep company with Jesus. Basically, spiritual disciplines are things that we do, we do that like Jesus did, we keep company with Him, we do things that make us become more like Him and follow His ways. Spiritual disciplines like praying, like reading the Word, reading God's Bible, like spending time in solitude, like fasting. Guess what? Celebration is also a spiritual discipline, and I love that. See, celebration is when we take joy and pleasure in God, His creation, the world, His people, His Word, and His purposes. And it is a discipline to do so. Celebration is something that we need to do. We're being told to do it. It's good and right. You see, God invented celebration and joy and delight. He created us and He created joy. If we look at how Jesus entered this earth, He did so with joy. We read in Luke 10 too, the angels were declaring to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy. When Jesus came to this earth, it was a joyful occasion. And when he left and went back to be in heaven with God, we read in John 15, 11, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. He leaves and says, I want you to know my joy. I want you to be filled with my joy. God invented joy and he wants us to celebrate. Now you might be sitting here today or online and think, I love it. You might be like me and think, I've been told by the pastor to celebrate, bring it, this is awesome. Or you might be thinking, Michelle's really lost it this morning. (laughs) This is a bit trivial and superficial. I mean, really? But I want us to hear and capture God's heart. Celebration is good and right and essential because celebration changes us. When we celebrate, it changes us because it is something that helps us keep company with Jesus. It's something that helps us become more like Him and follow His ways. And so if we don't have celebration in our lives, we're actually missing part of the goodness of God. We're missing part of His character. We're missing part of how He's wired us because celebration is who He is and it changes us 
when we celebrate. We keep company with him. You see, celebration shifts our perspective. Now, I can remember when my three kids were preschoolers. We have three in three and a half years. So it was pretty busy and messy in that season. And I can remember driving along with three preschoolers in their car seats in the back. And look, car rides were not fun. Can I get an amen, anyone with? Yeah, come on, amen to that. Hands raised and all, right. Car rides are not fun. We've got like mess happening and dummies spitting literally and we've got hair pulling and food flying and socks coming off. Why do socks always come off? And so all this is going on and I didn't enjoy driving with my kids and you get to the place where you're meant to be and you're just like, oh, was it really worth it? I'm tired, I'm yelling, it's all of this. So I entered into, we um, kind of decided a new process that we're gonna do to shift the perspective. And I taught our three little kids to applaud the arrival. Okay, so we would get there and they would automatically know when mum parked and turned off the car, they'd go, yay! And so it didn't matter how bad the drive was, how much yelling went on from the front or the back or what was going on, as soon as I turned the ignition off, they all went, yay! (laughs) And it was amazing how it shifted my perspective. I could have been the grumpiest, most annoyed mum And all of a sudden, I'm laughing with these three preschoolers because they're applauding me for driving and parking. Consider introducing that into your rhythms. It's a good one. But it shifted my perspective. Celebration and joy. It shifted the tone of the car. It shifted everything. And if we choose to celebrate and give glory to our God, it does exactly the same thing in us. It shifts our perspective in a really healthy way. You know, in the Old Testament, every 50 years, they would celebrate the year of the Jubilee. And this was a a season of rest and restoration. It was a celebration every 50 years where basically things would change. They would cancel debts. People would no longer be kept in slavery. Slaves would be released. They wouldn't plant crops anymore. Property would return to its original owner. All these things happened as a celebration because of the goodness and faithfulness of God. You see, the basis, the perspective for this celebration was that God had everything. He had more than enough, and because they could trust God, they could actually not worry for what they needed, what they had to accumulate, not worry and be anxious, but rather celebrate His goodness and restore one another. We're invited into that same perspective, a perspective where we know that God has enough, that God has more than enough. He has everything we need, and so we can celebrate him. And interestingly, when Jesus announces his public ministry, when he starts here on earth, he actually proclaims the year of the Jubilee, something they celebrated every 50 years. We read in Luke 4, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. See, Jesus is coming and saying, I am going to set people free, to redeem people, to restore them, to bring them health and whole, bring them back to wholeness again. And what we see is that he's proclaiming this year of the Jubilee, but in the Old Testament, it was only every 50 years, but with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, we're actually invited into an ongoing Jubilee, a Jubilee of the Spirit, because Jesus is saying He has more than enough. He can be trusted. He will provide. He will restore. He will set us free. And this is a perspective shift. When we start to celebrate 
that Jesus has more than enough that he will provide. We can celebrate his goodness. We read in Luke 12, Jesus says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. God has enough. He cares for all creation. He cares for us as his people so much more. He will provide. We can hold on to that. In Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Our God will meet all our needs. Not all our wants. Our God will meet all our needs. We don't need to worry or be anxious, but this perspective shift that we're invited to, this ongoing jubilee, that Jesus has everything we need. Because in today's culture, we're often driven to focus on what we don't have, what's not, what we're lacking. You think about advertising, it uses it to point out what we don't have, so we need that object or we need that lifestyle, we need that because I don't have enough. You think about workplaces and you need to strive for more, study more, work harder. Are we ever going to have enough? So much of our culture is saying it's not enough. But with Jesus, it's not about what's not. It's about actually who we are and what we have in him. There is more than enough. Because when we start to recognize that and thank him that we're loved, that we're chosen, that we're forgiven, that we're restored, that we're in relationship with the King of Kings, that God Almighty loves me personally. When we start to notice these things, it starts to shift our perspective, helps us to focus on Him and His goodness, not on us and what we might think we need or want, but it shifts our perspective. When we choose to celebrate God, it changes us. Just, a, just over a week and a half ago, Steve Darcy, who's part of our congregation, had to go in for surgery. And Steve and Val have been part of our church for a long time. Val runs Treasured Op Shop. And Steve had to go in to have open heart surgery. And the reality is, Steve and Val could have approached that with fear and worry and anxiety. Major surgery, there's risks associated, concerns. But you know what I love about Val and Steve is they went into hospital celebrating God's goodness. They went into hospital with a posture of joy. And yes, they were completely aware of what was happening, but this joy that God is good, that God is faithful. They can celebrate and trust him because of who he is, even though Steve was having major surgery. And Val spoke about in the lead up to surgery, a particular song, a worship song, and these words that stood out to her that says, all my life you have been faithful. Val and Steve were able to hold on to the fact that all their lives, God had been faithful and he continues to be faithful. And so they approach this surgery with celebration because of who God is. Now, unfortunately, we were hoping Steve would be in the room with us. He's online. We love that Steve's online because, you know what, unfortunately, sometimes things get complicated and it hasn't been smooth sailing and there's been some setbacks and ongoing medical things that need to happen. But what I love with Val and Steve, and I spoke to Val yesterday and she was able to say, God's still got this. God's still got this. That choice to go, yes, this is hard and yes, this is tricky, but the choice to say, I celebrate God, I trust him. He will provide all we need. And so we're going to continue to pray for Steve, but we trust in a good God and that perspective shift 
to say, God's still got this. All my life he's been faithful. It's a choice. Because when we start to grasp and celebrate God's incredible goodness, we start to cultivate a heart of gratitude. We start to notice and thank him for what he's doing. I wonder, what does it look like to thank him? To thank him for your family, to thank him for the food on your table, to thank him for your workplace, to thank him for your house, to thank him for the health care we have, to thank him for the opportunities we have. What does it look like to cultivate a posture of gratitude? Because as we thank him, we notice him. We hear his voice more. You know, three weeks ago, Mike preached a great message around gratitude to hear God's voice. As we have this posture of gratitude, we start to notice our God. It's a cycle of celebration and gratitude. We celebrate his goodness. We start to notice and we start to become more thankful and then we've got more to celebrate. That is the posture that God invites us into. And so I wonder today, where do you need to shift that perspective? Where do you need to, rather than look at what's not, what you're lacking, but you need to look at what you have and who you are in God. Where today do you need that perspective shift to say, wow, with God in him, there is so much to be grateful for. Because celebration is actually a mindset. It's an act of will to choose to set our mind on higher things. And that's why it's a discipline. It's a choice. It's a conscious way of thinking and living that we're invited into. And not only does it shift how we see our perspective, but it starts to shift how we see both ourselves and other people. You think about it, if we start to celebrate God's goodness and celebrate that we're made in the image of God, we start to look for how people are made in his image. We start to see others reflecting him and we start to celebrate the goodness of other people. And that does a shift in us. There's less judgmentalism. There's less, less negativity, less criticism because we start to see others and ourselves as made in the image of God. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I wonder if you've ever considered that God is rejoicing over you with singing. That God is singing songs of joy over you. That God is rejoicing over the person next to you with singing. I wonder if you've thought about that. I wonder if we've considered how God sees us, that he sings songs of joy over us and the person next to us. That is how he sees us. What would it look like to allow that celebration to shift how we see ourselves and how we see others around us? Because that's what we're called to, to celebrate the perspective God has in us as made in his image. And not only to celebrate that he's singing over us, but celebrate the God who does that. What would it look like to shift the perspective in how we see ourselves and others? Celebration changes us. It shifts our perspective, but it also builds our faith. It builds our strong faith in us. And God commanded the Israel people back in the Old Testament to gather three times a year to corporately celebrate and honour him and his faithfulness. And this was a time of coming together, of really building their faith, of being united and supporting one another and reminding each other, God is good. And that is what we get to do when we tell stories of God's faithfulness. When we celebrate 55 years of God's church here at Clovey and we share story of what God is doing and we celebrate that, it actually builds our faith. 
You know, Mike shared with us that we think back to Doug Lawrence, how he started Clovey faithfully following God's call, the people's store, and what it did when it moved to Montague and then here how God provided this building. And we're in an exciting season now where we get to say, God, what's next in this auditorium? What do you want to do so people here can encounter you and online and go beyond? You think about the stories that we can share of God healing and restoring people over these 55 years. But just in the last two weeks, two different people from our congregation have come to me and said, God's healed me. God's healing. I love that. I get excited. It's not just something that happened 55 years ago. But in the last two weeks, two people were saying, my God has healed me. God is moving. That builds my faith. I think about answered prayers. Over the 55 years, how many prayers have been prayed for people? And God has answered and restored. Just in these last few weeks, I can tell you of someone who's had a friend connect through Alpha that they've been praying for. Someone who's had a family member they've been praying for for years finally came to church. One of our students who's been praying for their friends saw them come along and engage just in the last few weeks. God is moving, God is answering prayer and these stories that we get to share, they build our faith. Charlotte's story today, the story of someone that we celebrate, the family she grew up in, the choice she made for herself, the journey God's had her on. Not just Charlotte, but I think about how many others have been baptised over the 55 years and the stories that each one is a life change because of God's goodness, because of God's faithfulness. I want to encourage us to be people who share stories and celebrate together because it builds our faith. It reminds us God isn't done. He's not dead. He is alive and he is moving and he is faithful and he is good and he has so much more. You know, celebration, when we start to see his joy and we catch his joy, we see joy that he's at work. We see joy that he's moving, that his kingdom is growing and his joy makes us strong. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. I love that verse. You know, the flip side would suggest that without God's joy, we're weak. Without his joy in our life, there's a weakness. So we need to know his joy in our life, to share story, to celebrate together, to build our faith. But it's really important that you hear today that celebration isn't necessarily about feeling good. It's not about pumping up the right emotions and being optimistic enough. That's not what celebration is. Because if I'm honest with you, there are so many reasons in the world right now to feel despair, to feel sad, to feel broken. Think about the world that we're surrounded with, even just the day-in, day-out challenges we face, the cost of living, unemployment. Think about globally, earthquakes, war, personally what people are going through, sickness, mental health, anxiety. There is so much going on and so many reasons to feel despair. There's suffering in our world, but what I want to encourage us today is that joy in the Lord can in fact be acquainted with suffering. That can be simultaneous. Joy in the Lord and suffering can actually occur together. You think about Paul and Silas in Acts 16. So they have been stuck in prison for their faith, for loving Jesus and sharing the good news. And we find them, it's midnight, they are in prison, they've been beaten, they've been stripped, they're cold, it's dark, they'd be hungry, they're chained. In the middle of suffering, in the middle of this despair, we find them worshipping King Jesus. 
Because celebrating our God and suffering can actually occur simultaneous because joy comes when we focus on God and Him, His character and His kingdom, not on our circumstance or situation. Celebration isn't just about feeling good, it's about knowing God's joy. Calhoun says, deeper than sorrow thrums the unbroken pulse of God's joy, a joy that will yet to have its eternal day. I really feel for some today you need to hear that, that there is something deeper and bigger and stronger at play than sorrow, that it's God's joy, that his joy, both now knowing his presence and in the future, there is so much more to come. We can celebrate because it's not dependent on our circumstances, it's dependent on his character and his presence. He doesn't change, he is good. And so when we, as a discipline, choose to set our minds on him, choose to praise him and thank him, we choose how we react in the circumstance. We can choose to look for him and his goodness, no matter what is going on around us. Because it's his presence and not the circumstance where we find joy. Psalm 16:11 says, "You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand." His presence is reason enough to celebrate the joy that we have a living God who walks with each one of us personally, that we can be in his presence. That is reason enough for me to celebrate. Celebration is important. It changes us, it shifts our perspective and it builds our faith. You know, celebration is so important that some theologians many years ago, back in the 1600s, got together, these Scottish and English theologians, and they formed what's known as the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Basically, it's a bunch of stuff to say what we believe as Christians, right? So these guys, these incredibly intelligent theologians came together and they listed 107 questions and answers around what does it actually mean? What's our faith look like? And the very first question that they wrote was what is the chief end of humans? What is our purpose? And their answer, number one thing, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We are here to worship God and enjoy him, permission to celebrate. That is what we are called to do. He has given us joy, he has given us life and he longs for us to enjoy him, to spend time with him, to be with him. So I wonder what would it look like to do that in our everyday lives, to celebrate him, to make time Monday through to Sunday, not just Sunday, to celebrate him, to enjoy him. What would it look like to take responsibility for us, our own selves, to know God's joy? And for us to encounter that and celebrate him, what would it look like to worship him with friends, with family, to sing, dance, shout, I don't care how you do it, to enjoy worshiping him? What would it look like to play in his creation, to go on an adventure and thank him for the beautiful world that we live in? What would it look like to eat and laugh with friends and family, to invite them over and to enjoy what God has given us? What would it look like to create rhythms in our everyday life where we intentionally celebrate God and who He is? Now, the Old Testament priests, they would bring a morning and an evening sacrifice of praise. 
And as we are now living in the new covenant, as priests, all of us, what would it look like to bring a morning and evening sacrifice of praise? What would it look like before we lift our head off the pillow every morning to say, thank you, God. Thank you for the day you've given me that I'm about to walk into. I bless you, God. I rejoice that you're with me. Thank you that you're here. Thank you for my breath. Thank you for my sleep. What would it look like in the evening is the last thought we have before we go to sleep to go, thank you, God, because you've been with me today. You're faithful and you're good and I love you. What would it look like to make rhythms in our day where we are thankful and grateful and celebrate Him, to have a, a Thanksgiving break rather than a coffee break or to have both, have coffee break, thank God for the coffee and thank Him for His goodness. What would it look, I got an amen from Dubs. What would it look like to thank God in our rhythms, in our every day? Because joy is at the heart of God's plan for us and it's at the heart of God Himself. Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day to step into celebration. Not when things get easier, not when you've overcome that hurdle, not when things are better or that's sorted out or whatever is other excuse, but today. Today to celebrate our God because He's alive because He's good, because He's faithful, because Jesus loves us, because He forgives us, because He died and rose again. I can keep going and going and going. There are so many reasons to celebrate our God because He's good. Do I get an amen? Amen. So I wanna encourage us, church, to have fun enjoying God. As we go into the next year, 55 years, we go into the next one to celebrate our King, to worship Him, to enjoy Him. Let's stand together and we're going to continue.